You're tuning in to Past Hour Prime, a show powered by Squad Locker. Let's be great. Let's be great. Here are your hosts, retired Astros minor league star Tip Fairchild and former Patriots All-Pro center Dan Copen. Go rock this thing, huh? Love you, man. All right, here we go. Uh, uh, what are we on? 77. 77. Congratulations, by the way, guys. 77 episodes. That's a lot. You know what number 77 was? Ooh, 77. Um, wasn't that uh, Vollmer? like Trent? No. What was the big guy? 77. Oh, gosh. Trent? Well, I mean, 77 was, wasn't it Compton? Wasn't Compton 77? Yeah. Was I, it, I, he, I, it was I, Mike Compton, but the big guy, uh, what, no. Trent, the big guy. I don't think Brown? He's, Trent Brown? I, is he 77? I he might so. be. Yeah, thought so. Max, he looked that up. He, he actually might be. I think you might be right. What were you going to say 77 is? I was my college number and high school number. <laughs> oh, that's right. I don't know yeah, if you're going to get right. that. Yeah, I was. No, I, I do remember that being your college number, 77. Trent Brown yeah. is 77. There you go. All right. Yeah. And they report to training camp today. So football. Football starting up, baby. Close. What's it's Tuesday? close. And it's good because, like we've said before, there is really not a lot to watch on TV. Well, and we. Right we haven't had an episode since this, but we went. Uh, we played golf with Tom E. Curran. Correct. Do, what is it? Does he go by? He goes by the actual middle initial too. Huh? Yeah, it's E. <laughs> I think. I, I, yeah. I mean, if you know Curran, yeah. I mean, he's probably just trying to be. A, I'm not. I'm not going to curse yet, but he's no, probably just he trying to do it. He's fine. I, I, had a great know, time I, what, I actually I wonder what his middle name is. I, I had a great. Got to ask him. He's an Edward guy, I bet. Oh, what if he was Thomas Edward, like like Brady? I think he would use that more. I know. He would say pay, it. You yeah. know, maybe he's an Earl. Yeah. Um, we played golf with him. He was funny. He's a funny he's guy. A he's guy. a nice guy. Super nice guy. Um, like humble in his, uh, taking him a while to get to be like the kind of one of the guys, right? But now that he's there, it's pretty sweet for him, yeah. I'm sure. And he, he remembers, though, from back in the day, how hard it was to get there. Oh, talking you, about that a lot. You want to talk about I mean, and we're going to talk to a guy today who's coming on shortly, Guy Fietti. Yeah, can you give me, a, yeah. give me a pronunciation here? It's, it's Fietti. Okay. I don't know if you can Fiet- understand Fiet- what the pronunciation is because I don't even know how I say it. Mr. Guy. It's Guy. <laughs> Fietti. I always used to call him Fieri. I did ask him one time. It's like, Fietti or Fieri? Yeah. I don't even know. So it's Fietti. Um, but like current, like it doesn't matter what your um, – your sport, not even doesn't have to be sport. Your interest is or your yeah. passion, or it's it's about the work that you put in to it. And you know, Fietti, I mean, Jesus Christ, what the hell isn't he in right now? Yeah, yeah, he's a big, and big he, name, big a, image. You know, he's always had the same image for a long time now. With the he's a worker though. That's what it oh, comes yeah. down to. How much oh, yeah. do you put into it? Is is what you're going to get out of it? Yep. And current, I would do the same thing. You know, yep. he's one of those beat guys forever, and just sort of kept at it, kept at it, built, yep. built, 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 and. Um, you know, he's one of those guys where stories come out of New England, yep. and if it's from him, there's smoke, there's probably fire. Yes, <laughs> he knows. I was trying to probe him a little bit on a couple of things, and he was he was letting you know he was open. Tommy Kern, he was letting us know what's going on, but I'm sure that he knows more than most people, and I'm sure he knows it sooner than most people. Would you agree? Yeah, I would. You know, I. I, I journalism and yeah. like that kind of industry of, hey you scratch my back i'll scratch yours yeah. if i know something i'm going to tell you about it beforehand yeah. when you know some stuff you probably got to let go but yeah you know some stuff is probably like when do you want me to do this now or should i just wait a couple of days so you can get your house in order before i do and, it and then 
Remember when we were in, we had a drink after the round. He played great, by the way. You played phenomenal. You played the best round I've ever seen you play. I beat you finally. Oh, you did. And 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 I I didn't play great on the front, but you played a superb back nine. Back Even nine par? was great. I know I was one over. I was minus one going into eighteen, and then I piped one out of bounds on eighteen. Oh, that's right. And you I went did. in for a and double. you actually didn't really hit that ball that bad. That's a tough hole, tough tee ball. Yeah. You hit, that was a nice little draw. You just started too far left. I don't. Yeah, it's, I was. It was very. So, it was very impressed with your I game. I did not. Started out as okay. I only had 15 minutes to warm up, which mm-hmm. maybe is a key because I usually go in there an hour beforehand. Yeah, but you weren't great on the front. You boy, you played. I think you had like six or seven pars in a row from seven. A birdie from seven to thirteen. Yeah, I was one under. One under. Yeah, it's good math. Good. Good Everything golf. I par I birdied twelve almost. Mm-hmm. All, you think it possibly oh. was close to a hole in one, but well. And by the way, twelve at one in Moist. It's a very difficult uphill par three. Usually a little over two hundred. It was probably like two ten that day into the wind. I think into uphill. the wind uphill. It was playing one ninety five. So yeah, yeah, probably right around two ten. And and I hit a great ball. Yes, you did. I hit a nice high Which cut. Sort of like tightens <laughs> you up, like going after yes. you because you won the hole beforehand. Yep. Yeah, I hit a nice high cut into it. I'm like, oh, man. I mean, and that's not an easy green, actually, to hit, especially with the wind, and it's just a tough shot. It's a long iron. And then, bang, you get up there and literally almost jar one. Yeah, it was a good shot. <laughs> like It was behind the hole, Max, by two feet, and I knew that it hit in front of the hole to get where it was. And I don't know how much it missed by, but it wasn't by much. And then same one on 13. I birdied that, made the putt. And then I come off on 13, par 4, downhill. Mm-hmm. You're up on a little hill to start on the tee box and pipe one, Max. Pipe one down mm-hmm. the middle. And he's following me. He's like, oh, man, now i got to follow that. And you roasted one, too. Roast. I was roasting the ball in the back. I played a good back. Um, but Oh, but you, Curran. You played a better we were back. T- we were talking about Curran, too. Curran played unbelievable in the back as well and kept I, you guys into it, he I think, like, a little um, bit. Who was the Irwin guy? Crocodile Hunter? Oh, yeah. Steve, 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 Irwin. Steve Irwin. Yeah. <laughs> he all like, brown. He was all brown, all tan, with black shoes on, with a safari hat. And I was like, By I the way, those we're... shoes were probably 20 years old. And the socks. The <laughs> socks and shoes were a 20-year-old, probably a 40-year-old combo. And uh, But he played great on the back. And then I was going <laughs> to say, when we went in to get a drink, um, he, he was using the term minor league. Yeah. That's like a derogatory yeah. term. It always comes up that way. It's not derogatory. <laughs> I, I laughed so hard. I was like, was that a dig yeah. or is that just your term? You reason? do know who you're talking to right now. <laughs> it was, yeah, it but always comes up. My shot of the day, probably, I mean, geez, that was the best round in three years. And I'm usually, best round since I'm I've usually known like 75 yeah. or not 75, 78 to 84. Yeah. It's probably where I fall. Yep. Shoot a 75, but on the 17, which is a par five. Great t-shirt, great great drive out oh, in the you middle. Hit a beautiful. I was two fifty six in max yep. on the par three, par five. You j- par, or five. par five, and mm-hmm. you just unleashed a. No, did I go first? I went you first. Went first. You I were pumped a yeah, good drive, good. and then I literally you hit one to within eight feet. It's like fifteen. I go <laughs> 15. I fifteen. I went fifty six three wood right up the center of the green. Yep. Fifteen feet for eagle. Yeah. Missed it by two inches. Yeah, you did. But birdied it, and then we know what happened on 18. Great round by you. A uh, little known fact here, too. Um, well, I guess Rhode Island golfers probably know. Wild at Wanamoiset on the 12th, 13th, 15th hole. There is an eagle's nest on the course, and they've been there for how many years? 
Oh God, forever. I mean, literally, they, like it's just these wanna, eagles have lived there for 15, forever. 20 years, probably they've been there, and they are maybe I don't maybe they more? bald eagles. Yeah, bald, bald eagles. eagles. Oh no, shit. yeah, and they're Ooh. Max. They're, oh, oh, Max yes. in that twenty five dollar bill. Yeah, we're yep. gonna. Yep, nice, that, Max. That goes into the swear yeah. jar. Swear jar. Um, so they're these. I mean, they're huge too, Max. Like it's like <laughs> if a <laughs> good way to good way to picture it is if if you were looking up into this tree. It would look like Dan and I were sitting on limbs. <laughs> <laughs> like they're huge eagles, man. I like got uh, I got some pictures. Uh, I'll yeah. forward to Max. We'll put we'll them put out. Put one up. It's yeah, so right? cool though that they live. How lucky are you to have this like beautiful golf course? And right above on it, right above the fifteenth tee, there's a massive eagle's nest. It's been there forever. I figured eagles were a traveling species. They go away in the winter. I don't know where they go. I don't think they but go they, far, but they're just, not there in the winter. It's surprising that they come, they back, come back to back. the same spot. They come back to that spot. Do all birds do that? I don't know. Did well, you, you had Steve Irwin with you. Yeah. <laughs> we we could have asked just him. Like him. Well, let's break it down. I mean, geese fly south for the winter, but right? Then do but they then they come, they come home back. To the same nest? So it's the same well, migrate? Bald eagles, they can't leave the country. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah. are there migrating patterns the same let's find out okay yeah that's a good thing to look up max um so possibly by the way so we do have guy fietti fietti on today i have a monster meeting that's being shifted around on me right now so you may see listeners and viewers you may hear a different voice in here for a little bit for a chunk of time here and it might be Fieri, and you might see Max in the seat right here. I actually might like Ma- let you, Max just take it over. You might, and Max probably can. <laughs> is, Ma- is Max prepared? Oh yeah. Oh boy. People would say that it's a Wally Pip situation potentially. And, and do you know the? Do you know Wally I Pip? Know, I know. The Wally last Pip. we saw Tim. So Wally <laughs> Pip was the famous first baseman for the Yankees. By the way, had a great career, and then had a headache one day. Or actually, there's there's two sides of the story. Some people say he just was hung over other people he did get hit in the head the game before so he probably had a concussion probably and he chose to take the day off which in those days like players played every day like they never took days off he took the day off and a young lad by the name of lou gehrig young lad took his spot at first base and as they would say the rest is history so now when somebody when you give somebody the opportunity to potentially displace you, <laughs> you are potentially being Wally pipped. Oh. Wally tipped. Are you comparing now. yourself to Lou Gehrig right now? No, Max. It's going to be Wally Pip. No, Max. I'm is Wally Pip. I'm leaving. Max my is seat going to be potentially, and Max is going to be. I'm Wally Pip. I'm playing, and then Max could come in here, have the greatest interview of of interviews. <laughs> and I might never be back in this seat. I might be behind the behind the producer mic. Yeah, then we're screwed. Yeah, we might really be screwed. So that's you know that's how that works. Do we have a yeah, we, so do we have a live feed? Right we now? don't have a live feed, but I do have an answer for you on bald eagles migration. Okay, bring it. They uh, bald eagles are partially migratory birds. They will they will uh, fly south for food and uh, warmth. Food so, and warmth, but they come back to the same nest. Yeah, probably because that nest they they'll, build is like a freaking. They will <laughs> occupy <laughs> the same. They'll occupy the same territory for their life. Oh. No way. Yep. Wow. So those so eagles even the are one, like what about the, uh, the lip, like the yeah what about the are they called eaglets? I think so. <laughs> no, they I think can't they are. Be. I think they are. They can't be eaglets. I think they are. The babies baby are eaglets. Eaglet. 
Eagle. What? Yeah, that is a wild or a term. chick. All right, well, I'll take no, that's a wild term. I think I pronounced so it wrong. So they get but. they um they their home the parents' wonder, home is being handed down to them. I wonder if there's a luxury tax there. But uh, they so they take over the same nest and they live there forever. No kidding. Interesting. Hmm. Um, something new. What else does Max have up here? You put a couple things on the board. You put some stuff up there, huh, Max? Did some golf this last weekend. Yeah, there was some golf. Um, the the live thing we talked a little bit about it with Patrick and and people. By the way, a lot of messages from people that said they really liked the um, nil discussion that we had with Patrick that playbook because nobody understands it. Yeah, like Reed sent me a text message. He said best me- best episode you guys have had. That's what we do. Informative. We're, and that's, <laughs> that's breaking informative reporting. you know trying to educate yeah. people on on different subjects and 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 the landscape of uh youth youth sports and collegiate sports he he sent me a message he said this episode has nothing to do with that but this episode is much more about and you have a, you have a friendship with guy like you you've known him for a long time mm-hmm. so you guys will you're gonna this is this this is more talk, our, this, talk once a year a couple times did, a year yeah to be honest, this is probably more in our wheelhouse. This is probably <laughs> going to be centered more around food and what yeah. you like. Yeah, gotcha. Um, and he has a new show, which we're going to promote on this podcast as well. This was an actual guys. Like, you know, this, <laughs> all right, I'll tell the story yeah. before. <laughs> so I ended like all right. You know, tip use tip and I use our circles sometimes mm-hmm. to get guests and have over the past year, year and a half, mm-hmm. and that's how we did it. We're Correct. changing things up a little bit now, and we're we'll going to go some more in from Squad Locker, which is but great. We still have a. I would say we still have. We still can go to the well. Oh yeah, we can still spin. Still it. Still go to the well. So we can still yep. spin it some way. So I texted guy, and I was like, "Hey, I texted him a while ago too." I was like, "Hey, mm-hmm. can you come on?" He's like, "Sure, name a day, let's go on." Yep. And I was like, "Okay, how about next Tuesday?" Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Um, sounds good. Or I'm traveling this day. You know, find another one. So go back and forth over a course of probably about a month. Finally, it's like, all right. Now we need to get him on because we're we're probably probably trying to find somebody, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. And it's, then he canceled. It's, it. it's Monday or Tuesday. It's, hey, can you come on tomorrow around one or whenever you're free? Yeah. We'll figure it out. And he texts texts me back. He's like, "Hey, get in touch with uh, my assistant or something like that mm. who does my scheduling." He's like, "Oh, now that's we're we're, big, we're that's called that. We're getting a little big time now. Big league." Big, big league, big time, Wally Pipped, <laughs> whatever you want to do. That's not minor league. That's that's a little bit. I was big like, league. okay, so now I have to go through an assistant. Go to email her. Sure, blah blah blah. No problem. What are you thinking? Now they're asking questions. What's it about? And now you're getting, <clears throat> and you were tied in with that at one point. It now, like the now chief I'm, financial officer of the Food Network. I'm, <laughs> yeah, like, I'm, I'm getting emails right from uh, a person at the Food Network now to schedule him and want <laughs> to know about our podcast and what we're discussing mm. there. And it's just like, look, I'm a friend. <laughs> <laughs> he said he'd go on. Is that not good enough? Uh, so it's funny. We'll uh, we'll we'll talk to guy yeah. about how how big time he is now. Yeah, I mean, well, and I would say somebody like him. You, even even as you you just progress in business, like it's so much help. It's so like, and we know Amelia. We work with Amelia all the time in here, who's like an executive assistant for Squad Locker. Mm-hmm. It is so valuable oh, to I, have somebody help with that type of stuff of scheduling. Mm-hmm. Number one, um, traveling. Number two, that's a pain, mm-hmm. right? Where they just go, hey, check your calendar. Your flights are in there. Your confirmations in there. You're at this hotel. Boom. That is so nice. That. The- like the people, well, I Look, guess I mean, call travel agents, but like, just for for people who are just traveling with their families and stuff, that must be so nice to have that concierge service too. I've never done that. I've always just booked it myself always. or my wife, really, 
Always. She always books it. You have I, somebody do it? I, I, no, no, God, no. So no, having somebody see, do it must be so much easier. You see guys all the time, like, oh, I have an assistant or something like that. You look yeah. at me like, really? You have an assistant? Yeah. Time value. I don't, I don't money, get that. Man. Time value. But time money. management and in sports and business. Yeah. I mean, think it's about a nice, it. Nice, nice little thing to have underneath you. I used to book all of my travel for Clean Brands, one of our other companies, and I was traveling a ton. And then I we hired this. Uh, outside agency, like travel agency. And all I would do, I filled up this profile where it, the profile was crazy. It was down to like things that you like to eat, like what you like to do. If you're in that, if you're in a city, well, like everything, your airline that you travel, your, your, your car service, everything. And then you plugged in all of your reward numbers. And if you didn't have one, he would set you up with one. Mm -hmm. And then you had this profile. And all I would say is, I have to be in New Orleans on this day. And this is when this is when it's over or whatever, right? I have to be in Dallas on this day. Boop. Everything would come over. Flights, Uber to the airport, already all scheduled or car service to the, like um reservations for dinners. Do, 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 done 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 bing 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 done. Everything right in my calendar. It was so liberating <laughs> to be like I don't have to do this. That would have taken me 2 hours. Yeah. 4 hours. No, then that stuff is And you great. probably would have messed up. Absolutely. And then I would have got stuck and then I wouldn't have somebody call. And this guy, there was a service line. If you ever were stuck in the airport anywhere, boom, like you didn't go to the desk. You didn't do anything. You just called this thing and then they would, they would handle it. Right. Rebook you, move you to a different thing. It was, it was incredible. So there you go. Yeah. I can't remember the name of his company, but should have given him a plug there. <laughs> um, do we have anything else or we're we just going into guys, let's just right? Go, let's just, okay. let's get the guy. All right. So you may have me folks and you may have Max. And again, if I'm no longer in this seat after this episode, we know what happened. Max was phenomenal. And, and I would believe that you will be Max. You have the best trust. Can you do both? What? Produce. Yeah. Oh, you know what you should sure do? Well, I mean, you know what, what you should do? do? What do you get? Just move the camera. No, I, I'm, I'll sit down there. It's oh. way easier. Oh, 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 right. He doesn't need to. He wants to get right in the catbird seat. What are you going to tell a guy? You're going to be like, hey, I'm Tip? Or are you going to be I'm like... I'm more attractive version, less talented. <laughs> no, more uh, skinnier. Yeah. But I'm on it right now, so everybody knows. I know. We saw you. Oh, yeah. You got me. Well, that was just push-ups. That's just to get the veins popping for the uh, camera. <laughs> <laughs> Dan and I did 8 to 12 push-ups. We both came in here completely winded. Winded. <laughs> winded. Like there was a wheeze coming out of us on the mics when we first It's very hot in here. I though. was about to say yeah. on top it's of very, it, it's, it's very, It's very here. heavy in here. It is. Uh, it's heavier anywhere. We're in a heat wave up here in Rhode Island. Do you have a water ban at your house right now? There's one in Narragansett. So you're not watering? No, not down there. How do they track that? Do you know, Max? I don't know if they do. I think it's basically drive-bys. Yeah. Drive-bys and snitches, right? Yeah. 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 So guess what? Boom. I changed my water. I changed my sprinklers. They go off at 1 a.m. now. Yeah. <laughs> it's a way, that's a workaround. Yep. I did a 40 minute. Yeah, but are you, are you in a water ban where I you think, are? I think so. Usually they go odds and evens, right? Days. Yeah, first. so I only water every other day anyway. So the sprinklers, you know, every other day it's programmed 5 a.m., but I think there's a water ban, so I switched up the timing. Still go every other day, but I did do a 40 minute per zone cycle <laughs> the other night because it's starting to get crispy, and I don't like crispy. I like it when it's like, you know, you like to lay on it. Yeah. And uh, I was running last night. Same. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. You got sprinklers? Yeah. I built mine on my own. Oh. They're kind of MacGyvered. That's of okay. course they were. Good. I, I, right. I guarantee they run great. They do. It was 28 bucks. 
All right. Well, you have my questions if I'm not here. Oh, I only have one Two really questions. serious. Well, I have one more, actually. I'll, I'll tell you after we hang up, and then we'll bring Guy on. All right. Sounds good. Okay. All right. We're here with uh, uh, a friend of mine, supposedly, uh, Guy Fiatti. Fiatti? Yeah, I'm sure it did. Um, he is – he does everything, really. I mean, he's a chef, um, a restaurateur. Is that how you say it? Restauranteur? Restauranteur? He's an author. Um, he's an Emmy, Emmy-winning host. Um, and, you know, one of the reasons he is, he's on his press junket release and doing a lot of interviews. August 31st at 9 p.m. on the Food Network channel, um, he has a new game show coming out called Guy's Ultimate Game Night. And we'll get to that. But how you doing, brother? I'm good. And, and I'm not on a press tour right now. You're my buddy. I've known you forever. I've been through the good, the bad, and the ugly with you. And when I hear that you're doing something, uh, I said, I got to just tune in. I got to. Uh, yeah, yeah, you just want to see what's going on. This. Well, hey, I mean, like I said earlier, good or bad, it's going to happen. So we'll yeah, figure like it out. It. Like go. It. Well, you, you know everybody and everybody loves you. And you've always been such a supporter um, for anybody's projects or interests or kids or whatever it may be. And, uh, I think if you're doing something like this, I'm honored to be invited to come talk smack and tell lies. Hey, that's what that's what we do here. So, I mean, you're the perfect person to have. And what this podcast sort of got centered around was the team concept and the 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 bond that teammates have within a locker room, right? And then our co-host Tip, who's not here, Max is here. Um, you know, former athletes they don't have that bond anymore, but that. Those stories and no matter how often you talk to your teammates, you know, you just pick up where you left off. And I think, you know, I mean, athletic background, looking at you, I mean, that's probably not a very good athletic background. Am I am I correct in assuming that? I'm sorry, you just you just cut out. It sounded like you're making no sense uh, and babbling well, again. Well, I mean, you're, you're sweating coming from the gym. So, well, I mean, hey, I went to the, Dan, I went to the gym today, which you can't say. And two, um, so, I mean, that's, let's just call it the kettle black. Um, and two, uh, I rushed to get here and said, no, yeah, no, I, I, of course, was not the athlete that you were, but I played all my sports uh, and not well. Well, the reason I get to that, though, is, is where you are, are now. Are we going to do this right? for serious or are we going to sit here and talk No, no, we're going to do serious because okay. we're going to get to the serious part, but there will be talking in the middle and you... You've and I curse punches. I, hey, I, I we, great buddies. You're already mean. We yeah, have we have a swear jar, and it the the uh, the donations will go to the Special Olympics. So you're already in for twenty five dollars. And Dan's got gotcha. you. Actually, no, it tips got gotcha you because he's yeah, he's, uh, he's missed. Hey, I but like where you are now. Like, it doesn't come without somebody helping you out. It doesn't come without teammates. It doesn't come without work ethic. And you see you're out there grinding with how many TV shows that you have and everything that you do. Where does that come from? I think it comes from the same grit that it takes to do. I mean, like I said, I played sports when I was a kid and nothing was worse than you know double days in football when i mean granted it was pop warner it wasn't it was no nfl but you you form that bond with people you you find people that you have likeness with or same commitment levels to i mean i think it's probably one of the reasons you and i are, are friends is what we were doing with best buddies you know you find people that want to uh 
do great in business, people that want to make great food, people that want to play hard in sports, people that want to go, you know, into overtime and give it their all. And I think that when you start to find that, like I was, in, I went to college at UNLV and was in, you know, still in my fraternity, uh, ATO, and some of the trials and tribulations we went through in that, those are my closest friends in the world. You know, my, my best friend from college, ATO brother is the godfather of my kids is also the executive director of my found, you know, of my foundation of the Guy Fieri foundation. Um, so I think it's, there's a commonality in that when you go through blood, sweat and tears with somebody or a group, I think that's kind of where it comes from. So we do it in the kitchens, you know, we yeah, go yeah. Through how, would, how does it work in the kitchens? How does it work in the kitchens? Oh, it's, I can't give you the, I'll give you the analogy of, you know, you, you got, you're going to the playoffs, you know, that that's mother's day. You know, we got, we got everybody in town showing up Uh, again. It's of course it's not the playoffs, but it's that kind of grind that you're going to pull off a 10, 12, 15 hour day and then, you know, turn around and come back tomorrow. And you get people that call in sick. You get people that, uh, you know, can't work. You get all these different things that take place and you get purveyors that don't deliver. I mean, so if you tell me about the failures that you have on the field, I'll tell you that not in exact same physical aspect, but in the mental aspect, you have those failures in, in, in the restaurants. Um, and again, a huge difference of, physicality and so forth but that mental responsibility and that teamwork and that participation and that admiration and and that uh you know all those things you count on i think have a, a direct correlation what about the adaptability also you know playing with the new england patriots for all those years and and just in sports in general you know stuff happens out on that field that you're not prepared for and it's the teams that are usually willing to adapt the quickest have the best chances to, to succeed Anybody that gets so tight assed about how it's going to go is usually the one that's going to slow the program. You got to be able to adapt and overcome. You know, we talk about it all the time about some of the greatest recipes or some of the uh, greatest, you know, changes that we've had have been when, you know, we're getting ready to cater something and, and somebody didn't uh, make the order correctly or, you know, somebody dropped the whole, you know, somebody dropped the prime rib and you have to figure out how to adapt and overcome. And, you know, I see it being a sports fan and watching you guys play for all these years. You see that you got to pick yourself up. Someone just threw an interception and they ran it back and you thought you had this thing, you know, in the bag and you dig deep, you know, and well, let's go back to the Super Bowl, you know, um, this new 80 for Brady movie, which is uh, which is awesome. Um, are you are you going to be in it? Yeah, I'm in it. Yeah. It's, are you in it? Great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you got one so, up on me. I'm not even in it. That's cool. Uh, uh, Which is great because I was there at the game and, um, you know, I'm a Raider. So, but I'm a big fan of Tom and all of you guys. And, and of course, Jules and friends with every, you know, all these guys. And my wife's a big Patriots fan and we weren't leaving. You know, it was halftime and it was not going anywhere. And you watch a team dig deep and find that gear and turn that around. I mean, that's what it's all about. And we've had it in the same situation in the restaurants where we've had a major situation go down and an oven break or, you know, so there was a, a reservation for 20 that didn't get put on the books. And now they're here. And, you know, how are you going to deal with this stuff? So it's, you know what? I think that's one of the reasons I love the restaurant business is it every day is different. I can't imagine any one game was the same game that you all played. Um, it has the same components, boom, 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 teams and, you know, a ball and 100 yards and the deal. But after that, man, it's just 
anybody's game. And that's what the restaurant business is a lot like. Where'd food, where food, where, where, where did you start? Where, where did the passion for food come from? I grew up in Northern California and my parents were both really good cooks, but experimented a lot with food. And so we went through macrobiotic food. We went through vegan and vegetarian. You know, my, my parents are, you know, hippies or were hippies, not dope smoking hippies. My mom always says I have to clarify that, that they weren't dope smoking, but they were kids of the 60s. You know, we had a leather shop in, uh, you know, called the Abraxas. And um, being a kid that grew up in that, I mean, we grew up eating everything. And the deal was in my family, whoever cooked didn't have to do the dishes. Well, that was my first inspiration because I hate doing dishes. Um, but it was whoever cooked didn't, didn't have two dishes. And then, um, my parents both worked, they had their little, you know, they had their business and they, um, I could go to the store. I mean, the town I lived in is 1400 people. So I could go to the store, charge the food at the, at the Valley grocery is what it was called and go home and cook. And we weren't eating a lot of meat and stuff, but I would go to my friend's house and have like, you know, meatloaf. I'm like, what is this thing? I've never had this. And so I just got a cookbook out. I was about nine, I think nine or 10. And I started to cook. And I, the, the, the pat, you know, the joy that you get when you, um, for me at least, when I cook something and it makes somebody happy, it's, you know, it's kind of, I guess why artists sing and, you know, painters paint and, you know, that kind of thing is it, it, you're doing it and it's making somebody else feel good. That's that guy that got me at a young age. So guy, I was doing some research yesterday. I was wearing my producer hat uh, and I saw that, you know, five years later after you picked up that cookbook, you moved to France. Now, when you were there, did you, or when you, before you moved there, did you know Fran- French at all? Or did you, was it a crash course? I had no idea what I was getting into. So, so my parents, we had exchange students when I was a kid. And we had exchange students from uh, Norway and Sweden. And my, I was always taught on a very big worldly, you know, uh, profile. My dad's a super smart guy. And we did a lot of critical thinking as a kid. And so I, I, was, a, I was very aware at a young age. Um, and I'd been through, you know, we'd been through terrible shit in our family. My little sister was four and had cancer. Um, you know, I learned, I learned, I'd grow up really quick. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but we, uh, you know, we were a very worldly family, did, ate a lot of different types of food, had a lot of different types of friends, did, went to all different types of cultural experiences. So we started, we had exchange students when I was like eight and nine years old. And I'm eating food from Sweden and Norway, and I'm learning about these cultures. And like, you don't have a Thanksgiving? I mean, like, what, how, what kind of people are you? You know, you don't have, they had Christmas, you know, but they had all these different traditions and I said, I want to be an exchange. I want to go to another country. I, I want to go do this. Well, in my town, in my high school, there were only 150 kids in my high school. In my high school, you could only take a language course when you were a junior and senior. And, that, and the only language course we had in Spanish. And I was like, I got to go. But you can't get into any one of the programs if you don't have the language. So I talked my dad into... Um, well, we had a family friend show up from France on Thanksgiving named Pierre Lachaud and Pierre, I just sat there and needled Pierre for about a week saying, I want to come to France. Can you help me get to France? (laughs) I want to go to France. And I started when I was like 12. So I'd write him letters. I'd hustle him to get me a thing. And he finally wrote back and said, I have a friend that was, you know, in the war with the Americans. He really is an American fan. He's a principal of a high school and you can go to the high school if you want to come over there. And so I wrote to 
principal and the principal told me about a boarding house. So I had it all lined up, but the deal was I didn't speak French. So my dad said, if you can pass the French course at the junior college and you take one year of it and you get a beer better, you can go. So I was 14 and a half when I started, 15. I started, my mom would drive me to the junior college at my lunch break from high school as a sophomore. And I would take the class and I graduated with a beer better. I could not speak one word of French. You know, it's like most right. people yeah. take their first language. Yeah. I, took, I took Spanish in college in the summer and I, have, I got an A and I have no idea how to say a word. Thank you. So I go to France, just turned 16, just had my driver's license and I take off for France. And it was, I remember being on the plane, my parents put me on the plane in San Francisco and I'm like, what am I doing? This is the dumbest thing, but it's been my way. I've lived my life uh, has always been full throttle. So it just was kind of, that was the beginning of it. And it was the greatest experience in my life. And it really, it peeled back my eyes to recognize how massive the world is and how big the opportunities are and how much you can't take it for granted. I mean, there's just so many, so many pieces of, you know, enlightenment that I got. And it was, uh, and, and food was one of the big ones there. I'm eating food. It's like, wait a second. I've eaten a steak and French fries in the United States and it doesn't taste like anything like this, you know, and everything there was organic. You know, that's all they did. They don't have another way to, you know, to grow food at, at that time. Do you in, uh, find in that everything over there is, do you find that everything in Europe and France is, is a little bit healthier than here? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're getting into their problems. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I remember the grocery store. I lived in a town called Chantilly. So you, we would call it Chantilly. Remember that song, Chantilly Lace? And that oh, yeah. came, that's the town that I lived in. And it's got a famous racetrack in northern, uh, in northern uh, France, just north of Paris, about 15 minutes. But, um, yeah, you'd go to the grocery store. And the grocery store was like this much of a cold section. And everything else was just fresh. Bread was free. And now I went back 40 years later and I go to the same grocery store and it's just boom, 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 freezers, you know? And uh, I'm like, wow, you guys are, you guys are falling <laughs> into the dark side of things. You know, you, you, you kind of go to processed foods, but you know, that's what it is. There's so many foods though, that, that we couldn't ever find in the United States. couldn't find in France because they wouldn't allow it. There was just so many processes and so forth that they weren't, weren't allowing. Yeah. Is it, what is it, mac and cheese or something like that? You're not allowed to have mac and cheese over there? I, I don't know. I just had guests for my wedding from Germany, and they were comparing every single piece of food that we had in our fridge. And they're like, well, no, you guys don't have this. You guys don't have that. Everything here is processed. Oh, well. And, and, hey, uh, and there is, you know, fortunately, the world of food is on a huge, especially in the United States, is on a major rebound. I mean, we have righted the ship. I give the Food Network so much credit for that because I think that they've been the loudest voice in the room, but you know, it comes, food is, food's a lot like education. Ask somebody to watch football that doesn't understand the game. They can't stand it. They don't, they don't get it. it it's, yep. it's barbaric. What happens? You explain somebody how football works. Well, baseball is that for me. I, I, I mean, I like baseball. I like watching, but until I really learned the mental mechanics of baseball, I'm like, wait a minute. This is, yeah. this changes the game dramatically. So when people can get an understanding of food, the difference between mac and cheese in a box and the mac and cheese that I'll make you here, and they can taste the textural differences and they can taste, they're like, oh, wait, wait, 
this is what I've been eating the whole time. I've been getting sold a song. You know, I've been getting told to, and that's a big thing that has to, that, that is happening still because we lost ourselves. We wanted to make food faster and easier and quicker and home replacement meals and frozen. And, and don't get me wrong. Those all have their place in the world. I'm not a food shamer by any means, but a lot of times when people come to my house for dinner or what we make food in this, ah, I don't like Brussels sprouts. I'll say, how long you haven't liked having like Brussels sprouts? Oh, she does a kid. Okay. Cause your mom boiled them. You know, your mom boiled them and you had this boiled little cabbage head. You know, yeah, it was nasty. It was just terrible. I said, let me show you the way I'm going to make them. I've been eating Brussels sprouts my whole life, you know. So, I hope you put bacon in there. Uh, there needs to be some bacon and balsamic. I will give you that. Um, Thank you. But that's, you know, that's the thing is, is, is we, we have cut some corners. Um, everybody is now. I mean, it's happening all over. But, you know, there's a lot of debate going on of what people know about food. I think more that we educate people about food. Same thing about music, about art, about world issues about uh you know our, our you know our favorite one of my favorite uh, charities best buddies when you educate people about it typically people get a better perspective better understanding and are more inclined to understand it like it help it support it believe in it you know, you know. that was I, the education part for me on cooking probably was diners drive-ins and dives for me and i think it probably is that for a lot of people in America and around the world, like not, I don't want to say a cult like following or anything, but just educational. And it, like, here's real America. Here's where the people are working. Here's where the good food is. And by the way, they're going to take you through that process as you go through the show. And that, I mean, that show is absolutely amazing. And then when you, the burger you made at the best, at driver's place, remember, I, so we're at Best Buddies, a phenomenal event that they throw across the United States. This one happened to be in New England, down in Hyannis. Guy is the, one of the hosts. Would I call you a host with Brady? You're, you're, you're yeah, one of the yeah, big. Tom, so that, that was how, I mean, yeah, that's how, Tom was, it was Tom's, he was the, he was the, the leader of it. I just was the, I was the sideshow. And then we built some more attention to it. But yeah, it's kind of how it was. Tom did his piece, I did my piece. You you had the food part of the uh, the, the, uh, the the charity deal, and he comes to Shriver's house late at night. You know, I mean, this is Guy Fieri, you know, big time guy. What does he do? He goes back into the kitchen at the house and cooks burgers for everybody. And I'm I'm telling you, guy, I've never had a better burger than that burger. That was that some night. good stuff. Well, and it, you had that, you had the buddies in there. You had the kitchen staff in there. You had people in there. It I was had you in there. You were. You I were know. There. I was flipping burgers. I was a little bit. I don't. I think I'm, I'm trying to see if I was fatter at the time or skinnier or whatever. But that was just an unbelievable experience to see you in your element. Just like okay, enough with the hoopla. Let's just go back and this is where the fun is. This is where the joy is. Everybody, I was in a movie. I got cut, but uh, I'm on the Blu-ray version of it uh called the interview with james franco and seth and seth rogan and, and the movie is about these guys going to the interview uh, in north korea but yeah. i i get brought in to the part of the show where i am i we have the um the, the middle eastern conference that's going on and i am trying to bridge the uh problem with food and because it's a quote that i've said forever is that food's the common denominator of all people. I mean, you don't like the same music, you don't like the same sports, you don't like the same color, you don't like the same politics, you don't like the same whatever. Everybody loves food. 
And so I was bridging this. That was my part of the show, which was a hysterical part. I know that you're probably a big fan and have that yeah, Blu-ray DVD of that. Um, but it was the I see the movie, but does anybody have Blu-rays anymore? I don't know, but I thought it was awesome. But I was still bummed when it got cut. But it was a great part, and, and, and James Franco was hysterical in it because we're talking about trying to get these guys to taste it, and they don't want to even sit next to each other, and then they're starting to appreciate this falafel that I make, blah, blah, blah. But it is. Food is this way that we can bridge so many things, and uh, you'll hear everybody talk about it from weddings to parties to what you did, you went or you went on vacation, and usually one of the main topics will be the food. So I appreciate the comments on Triple D. You know, that's what Triple D was about is part education um, yeah. to show people like how a burger is not just a burger. Um, you could get a burger for 99 cents. You can get a lot of things for 99 cents. But if you really want to have it done right, here are all the steps, in my opinion, of why this place is a great place and why the burger is, is outstanding. And that's, um, that's what's been fun about the show. And on top of it, it gives people a little insight to some places that they probably wouldn't have gone to, you know, on a regular trip into a town because it's maybe not on the beaten path and maybe it doesn't have the biggest sign and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you still keep in touch with a lot of those people? Yeah, on the radio, I text just, most of them every what's the, what, what's morning. A, what's a couple 15, that, that, uh, what, what's a couple that just come out? Yeah, I know, I know there's a lot, but what's a couple that just like, <laughs> Whole, like I was watching one the other day. I didn't even know what year it was, but there was a Russian. It was Russian food, and you were like you were in there just like amazed by what you were eating. Was I in? Was I in Cuba? I don't there, know. I shot, a, I shot a Russian joint in Cuba that was lights out. Uh, there's a there's an Eastern European place in uh, Vegas called Forte. F O R T E. Oh my gosh, crazy good. Um, Ho Dad's Burgers in San Diego, uh, Pagoda Restaurant in uh, North Pole, Alaska. Um, you've got, I mean, uh, Reno's in, well, Reno's in South Boston. You ever been to Reno's? I don't think so, no. I went to the, I was on the, the Polish one. Dan. Reno's. Oh, my gosh. This place, there's only 12 tables in it. Hey, all right. So, look, at your wife's from Rhode Island, right? And I'm living in Rhode Island now. You know how much effort it takes to get up to South Boston nowadays? Where you know, are you going to Rhode Island? East Greenwich. Oh, no kidding. Okay, so yeah, I, I, I'm coming. Listen to this. I'm, uh, I'm in Cali right now. I've got to go to North. I'm going to New Hampshire tomorrow for um, uh, shoot Triple D. And my wife's family is having a family reunion. So if I'm going to go to the family reunion, I can only handle family reunions for one day. So you go to your family reunion. I'll go work. So I'm going to go. There shoot. You go. I'm going to go shoot in North Conway. Um, never been there. But we're going to shoot great, great, awesome great place. Well, why don't you come up? I'll be there. I'm going to shoot on Friday if you're not doing anything. Yeah, I'm not doing anything. I don't know how far this. But here's the story. Two and a half hours, three hours. So I'm driving. So I'm I'm flying. To, to North Carolina. I'm supposed to be there on Thursday. Well, then I find out that my band, one of my favorite bands my whole life, Rage Against the Machines, playing in Cleveland. I have cousins in Cleveland. So I'm going to fly yeah. to Cleveland tomorrow morning, go see Rage, get back on plane. Then I'm going to fly to Rhode Island and pick up my mother-in-law on the premise that she will go to Oneyville and get me oh, yeah. some gaggers. That's Yo, yeah, I got to get the gaggers. We've talked about them a few times. The gagger. Oh, my God. I... It, is that the worst nickname for a hot dog ever? Hey, listen, all I know 
is I am telling you about it right now. And my mouth is watering so bad. It is one of my favorite, favorite things to eat. And people look at me like, are you serious? And I'm like, you guys don't understand what you have here. And it's, and, and I've had gaggers from different people, different places around the, you know, around the country. There's just something about going to Oneyville. There's something mm-hmm. about the New York systems guys, the way they do it, how great everybody's. I, I don't know. It's, it's, and it's something about the history. You know, I mean, I've, you, I went there, I started going there when I was in my mid twenties. And uh, the rule was when we'd go there that you could, if we got them to go, I used to have to drive with them with my hand outside the window because my mother-in-law would let me drive in their car with the gag. Yes. No, that, that, that scent stays with you for days. It's, that's that's, but, so, that's so my rule number said, one. Let it out. She goes, you're going to let, we're going to bring gaggers on the jet. And I'm like, yeah. She goes, you know, I go, oh, I don't God. have a problem with it. I said, I love the smell of them. So that's, oh, that's the for deal. For those that don't know, a gagger is basically a hot dog cooked in lard put on a bun on somebody's arm all the way up with onions, meat sauce, and celery, salt, and mustard, right? Is there exactly. mustard? Yeah. Well, the, the key is, is the Coney Island sauce. So it's the, there's a meat sauce that goes on top of it. And what happens is you, when you go in, you got to go, listen, this is a pilgrimage. I know that you got to you better, hey, you better go, you got to go all the way and you better tip. You got to go all the way and get tip. So he'll, he'll put the bun here and he'll lay, yep. the, he'll lay the dog into the bun. Okay. And he gets it up the arm like that. And then you'll hit the sauce. And the sauce is kind of like an offset spatula, the way he puts it in there. And he gets the meat in, and he gets the meat in. And then you hit the onions, and then you hit the mustard, and then you hit the celery salt. And you got to get it that way. Um, if you think you want three, get six. I, my <laughs> mouth is, and it's a special kind of hot dog that you only find in Rhode Island, Rhode Island Red. And it is, I mean, forever I have been on the quest to make that sauce because you can buy the packets the seasoning packets at new york systems yeah and it's good there's nothing like eating it there sitting at the counter listening to stories you got to get coffee milk you know you got to go through the whole thing now is that does he have a glove on that sleeve he does oh, now he no. used to 20, 20 years no 20 he years ago he did there, there's hey, not a lot of, i don't there, know there's I, was gloves now. There I was there about six months ago eight months ago every time if i'm within Literally, I mean, I was at the NBA Finals, and I was, like, vacillating between, <laughs> oh, how do I get from there? Because I was on a family road trip. Oh, yeah. Well, this is what a sports junkie I am, and my kids are. We were in Kentucky on a road trip on, on, our, uh, on our big RVs. We do this family road trips every year. And it's game three, the Warriors, Celtics. I have restaurants in Boston um, with Big Night Entertainment, great, awesome mm-hmm. people. And uh, – and we're talking at the fireside one night, and my kid says, gosh, Dad, I thought we were going to try to make an NBA final. I said, ah, I really want to. He goes, how far is Kentucky from Boston? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so I called, <laughs> I called my pilot. I'm like, how far is Kentucky from Boston? He says, uh, no problem. Let's go. So the next morning, we hours. Off. The, guys, the guys from Big Night got us there, and the kids. It was the best time. But I'm there, and I'm like, hmm. How far, how much is it going to be? It was going to be like a, you know, like $5,000 stock to go get uh, hot wieners. I'm like, almost as worth it. It Yeah, it might be be worth it. You're absolutely right. Sports fan, what is, what's the best sporting event ever? I have my opinion on this, but you've been to a lot of them and you've worked a lot of them, setting up your tailgates. What's your favorite sporting event? 
Have you ever been to curling? I mean, like the really, no, that's not it. It's not curling. Uh, Is it a curling? curling lasts for like three days, right? Over, think, over, uh, over, over on the, like the pitch or the oval, they play it on the oval. I'll, I'll tell you. I'm a fan. When you're in the moment, this is how I explain music too. When you're there and you're listening to Pink Floyd and money comes on and you have that sensation of everybody there just chill and the song's happening and you go back in your memory of being a kid in college and all those things that where you played that. Same thing for me when I go to, when I go to Fenway. Same thing with me when I go to the Derby, which we've done the Derby show. Same thing when you go to the NBA All-Star or the Super. When you're in the moment and you're having that experience of everything from the fans that are out of their mind going to the game for the first time and they've got their jerseys on and they're just, you know, they're spending their life savings to go do this, you know, or when you're – when you're sitting there and you're watching Kobe and you're watching the interaction and, and there's, so I can't say it's, it's one, but I will tell you that we're so blessed to have, you know, and, and granted I've probably had greater opportunities than, than I should, but um, I think, I think honestly, one of my favorites is the NBA all-stars NBA all-stars to me, because it's so intimate. And if you're a basketball fan, which I was not a huge bat pro basketball fan. I mean, of course, you had all your faves. I mean, I was a Dr. J fan. First time I got to meet Dr. J, but I lost my mind. Um, but my son Ryder is a huge fan. So you try to support your kids and what your kids are into. And he's a huge sports yeah. fan. You know, anytime he tells me he can't pass a test, I'm like, yeah, but you could give me the stats of anybody that's playing on a team you don't even like. So Is that where Golden, so is that where Golden State fan came from? Your son? Well, no, because in Northern California, that's where I'm from. I mean, we were, that's what you had to do. You were, you know, that, that's our team. We don't have any other teams. You know, we had Golden State. You were either a Raider or a Niner. And you oh, you're, either a Giant. You're, you're a Raider. There's, oh, there, yeah. there's no chance you're a Niner. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's Raider all day. Which I'm, but listen, don't get me wrong. Joe Montana. Yeah. I mean, Steve Young. I mean, Jerry Rice. I mean, Ronnie Lott. I mean, I, mean, I could go through the amazing what they've done, you know. Um, Going to see a game in Candlestick. Did you ever play Candlestick? Yeah. Hey, I got a chance to play there in 2008. What a place. Yeah. Seems like a really yeah, good the baseball point, field. The point being is, is Ryder got so into it, and so I got into it. And it's, again, one of those things. Once you get into what the sport is and the discipline and all of the intricacies to it, it just makes it so much more amazing to watch. And my, it's funny because Lori and I will be, Ryder will be at basketball practice, whatever, and there'll be a game on, and I'll turn on an NBA game that's not even my teams, and I'll sit there and watch it because, one, I have to stay up on the, on the what's going on, so when Ryder comes to tell me about it, I can have, I can be involved in the conversation. There but. you go. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, I, I mean, like, I've played in the Super Bowl. I've been to the Super Bowl. Daytona 500, NBA Finals. I don't, I think, I'm, NHL, I think I've been to the, World Series maybe once, but for me it's the Derby, dude. I just just going you played, there, man. You played in the Super Bowl. Come on, yeah, but, gotta, but it's got to be different being there and the pressure and so forth versus enjoying and hanging out. I I, I can see that. I told my I told my wife and uh, family we had friends over the other day or something like that. It was like 
do you realize like when you're sitting in a locker room before a game, NFL, college, doesn't matter, you know what's going on outside. A tailgate. What's what's more fun than a tailgate? Nothing. And you gotta go out there and, and like bang your head against a wall for three hours just to get to that tailgate. I can't even comprehend and I've been close to, you know, I've been to a lot of games, a lot of Super Bowls, and and I love it so much. The discipline that you all have is just mind-blowing to me and, and such admiration and such respect. And I think that um, what you give, you know, football is – we were just having a conversation the other night with Ryder. He was asking me what I thought was the easiest sport and the most, and the most you know, demanding sport. And I said, without question, I think football is the most demanding. I mean, physically, mentally – um, emotional. I mean, there's just so many pieces. So you, you got you know gigantic people trying to <laughs> kill you. You know, yeah, there's a lot going on, and there's and there's so much mental uh, game to it. You know, but um, the Derby is, you know, the Derby is one of those things that is. I was in a fishing tournament. Okay, so I'm not a big fisherman, but I was in a fishing tournament in Hawaii for for marlin, and we're out on these boats way off the coast of Hawaii for you know three days. And it was the greatest, you know, because when you're with pros that know what, what they know what they're doing, and you've got some back to this thing that I was saying about food, education about the food gives you such a better appreciation for what you're eating and what it should taste like, and and why you should get you know, when you know who grew the grew the vegetables. That's a real thing that that adds perspective yeah, yeah. to it. So I think when we can educate people about what's going on, and I imagine that's a lot of what happens on the on your podcast. It just gives people a better depth of knowledge and more appreciation. Absolutely. I think, I mean, diners, drivers, and dives. I think, you know, the farm to table, those food trucks that we see all over the place are a direct result of getting that education from that show. So we have a few, uh, only a few minutes left, but um, Tip actually sent me a few questions. So Tip is a a little bit larger than I am. He's he's got a little bit more pounds uh, in in a few places than I do. So he he wanted to (laughs) see. Very nice way of saying that. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> try to be politically correct with him which is amazing uh, that you're not a thousand pounds by the way <laughs> so if he's a uh, if he's going out to dinner what do you think is the best food for him to eat he's got a carb addiction <laughs> there is no substitute i can't i mean are, are we talking about trying to get tip in tip top shape or are we just letting tip be tip Oh no, Tim Top Show. He always wants to be fit. He wants to be like the. He have talks, you seen Tom he, Brady? He talks about it a today? lot. Well, Tom is a whole nother level of <laughs> okay, crazy. Um, amen. I mean, look at the guy. He's crazy, better crazy with means. Crazy with means is a lot easier than crazy. Oh, true, true, true. You know what? Carbs. When I was a young chef and had my restaurants here in Northern California, I remember eating pasta five days a week. Um, I even now, maybe once a month, will get pasta. Um, I have a choice about how I want to live my life. And, and I think that the older we get, I mean, I'm turning 55 in January. And I don't know where those numbers came from. That's a big lie. I tell my parents all the time they lied to me. Birth certificates, it's a hoax. But we have to make conscious decisions. And there's ways to eat and things to eat and methods of eating that really, uh, I think, can improve people's life, you know, and, and how they do. But if I ate everything that I thought about in a day, 
we'd have to do this on a whole different size screen. Um, you know, now I don't want to get up this morning and have, I've had uh, chef Kat Cora here for dinner last night at the house. And she's one of my idols. I mean, she's amazing. And I cooked for her. That was a great moment. Um, but I cook healthy. I mean, that's probably 90% of the way I cook. I mean, we did, you know, fire roasted chicken and wood fired oven and, uh, roasted, uh, roasted carrots and, uh, kale salad. And, you know, so no big flamboyant meal. And she's like, gosh, this is so nice to just sit down and have a great home cooked quality, you know, but I do organic chicken and organic beets and that kind of stuff. So it's about decisions. I mean, if I, like I said, if I wanted to go eat every single thing, I'll make a choice of going to get hot gaggers. um, I will pay that price somewhere. I may pay the price of not getting to eat. You know, there may not be any cocktails on Friday night. You know, if I'm going to spend my, you know, spend my calories over there. But that, that's a tough decision to make. If you're going to include drinks versus gaggers, might as well just do both. Take out the pasta for two months. It's listen, Dan. It's exactly. It's like it's like I'm brokering with my own self. Like, okay, no. let's talk. Let's be honest about this. Um, but it's uh, well, I, I make this joke all the time. I won't eat. I, I used to say the joke all the time about pizza. When it's good, it's really good. And when it's bad, we'll still eat it. Yeah. That's how we were with pizza when we were kids. We'd eat cardboard with it had tomato sauce and cheese on it. Now, if I'm going to eat pizza, it'd be some damn good pizza. You know, it's got to be some good pizza. I'm not just, I'm not going to blow it up for that. Uh, we're going we're gonna to take it. We're going to make a little bit better decisions. So, I don't know. I'm, the cauliflower crust nowadays on some pizza, even on the frozen stuff that we make for the kids, the cauliflower crust is good. Yep. All right. I am a thousand percent on it. I mean, I take, I'll make rider pasta and then I'll take spaghetti squash and make my spaghetti squash and put the bolognese on top of that. And, you know, it's not the same, but it's, yeah. but it, it works, you know, and you have to get, you also have to remember that. You have to condition yourself. It's kind of like when you were, you know, playing ball, uh, you had to make so many sacrifices to be your best. And I know what makes me feel good when I eat. I know when I eat, when it makes me feel good. I know what I need to get out of my body. If I'm going to exercise, you know, what level I'm going to do, or, you know, I, you know, I'm an avid hunter. So when I'm there doing that, like what is going to be my core, you know, so I just, you just try to pay attention to it. I'll just tell Tip to get on the Peloton. Yeah, just tell Tip to be more disciplined and make better decisions. That was a dumb question from Tip, by the way. He knew that. <laughs> hey, spaghetti tell me. Squash, tell yeah. me Try spaghetti squash. Just <clears throat> vegetables, right? At moderation. Everything in moderation. Um, well, that hey, was tell one us of the things, Dan, that I, I was just going to say. When I lived in France, we ate everything in courses. It wasn't fancy meals, but we just ate in courses. And the first thing we ate was a salad. Yeah. Well, sometimes sometimes we had salad at the end, but we would. Yeah, eat I thought something. they did salad at the end for roughage. Yeah, or something like. So what happens though is we would start out eating something, then we would stop, and I'm like, you know, scab. I would eat anything, <laughs> and then we would serve the next thing. And if you give your stomach a chance to catch up to your head, to your mind. You'll be amazed at how how little you'll eat. But if you get that plate full and you have that 10 minutes to power it down, you'll eat it all. And then 10 minutes later, it'll catch up to you and you'll say, oh, I'm satiated. I'm full. I'm done. 
Yeah. Slow it down. Eat it in courses. Give yourself a little break. One, you will appreciate things a lot more because you get a chance to really taste them in their in their own space. And uh, that that's one of the ways that we talk about it a lot about helping people with it is just is smaller portions and and spreading it out a little bit. Yeah, I think the other you're good, Max. Right. I think the other thing is uh, don't go to the supermarket hungry. If you go to the supermarket hungry, you're screwed. Well, don't take any gummies and go to the supermarket. <laughs> no, that would not be a good thing. Hey, you got guys ultimate game night coming out. Can you tell us about it? So I love game shows. I love competition. Uh, we make competition about everything around my house. I mean, it's nonstop. And I thought, and I love Pictionary, word association games, $20,000 pyramid, you know, and all I, this different stuff. I completely forgot you were hosting Minute to Win It. I completely forgot about yeah. that. And I had a little show on, you know, NBC called Minute yeah, to Win It. Yeah, just a little one. Yeah, it's okay. But I said, I, I came up with this idea. I said, I want to make a show because everybody, again, back to that common denominator of people, everybody loves food. So I wanted to make a show about food and let people have fun with it. So we have a Pictionary side of food, a word association thing to do with food, a memory game to do with food. And we invited different celebrities and their best friend or their wife or their cousin to come in. We built a restaurant. So it's got food. It's got a full bar and we have a big audience and they just come and we play ridiculous games about food and whoever wins, we give money to the charity. And it's Perfect. just, it's, Dan, it's the equivalent of you and me after the Derby going to some restaurant and, you know, starting to play some game. You know, yeah. it's, it's exactly what it turned into. And it's hysterical. And some of the, and the celebrities that we have coming on are just a riot. They all get into it. Everybody has a good time. And the thing is, it's funny to find how much people do know about food because there's all things like fortunes of food, you know, pictures of food, correlations to food, you know, you name it. We And food challenges, you know, decorating Damn. a birthday cake, you know, handcuffed, all kinds of crazy stuff. So Dan's uh, going to be on the uh, well, open S episode of season well, two. I'm just wondering how big of a celebrity that you need to be to get invited to the show. I mean, it just. Well, now that I know that you're, you know, that your post career is just flourishing and yes. you, you know, you're, you're doing, so I, I think that if this is something you want to do, I this, trust me after the first five minutes of this uh, podcast, um, I'll be more than happy to bring you on and spend some time with you. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'll hold that to you, buddy. I'll hold that. <laughs> no, this hey, is I can't wait. Like, I, but I think I think like the, it's 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 you really that brings that out. Like you, you can see your drive, you can see your passion, you can see the love of food and the love of being around people and just having a good time. So that really shows on camera when you're on there, dude. Well, I appreciate it. And if you love what you're doing, then it's not work and it, it becomes fun. And and the other thing for me is it gives a chance to let people be, you know, to give people an exposure to food in a different way. It also gives us a chance to meet people and understand uh, people that maybe you didn't know the side of them or the way they are. We had Penn and Teller on. Now, Penn and Teller are hysterical as it is in anything they do. And these two coming on the show was comedy genius. I mean, it was, it was I couldn't stop laughing, right? I, it was like full workout, just laughing yeah. at their one-liners. Um, but it's, uh, 
yeah, I think people have a blast. I think people really enjoy it. So you you watch it. You let me know what you think, and then uh, we'll talk about next season. I love it. Perfect. Hey, buddy, thank you for coming on. I can't wait to tune in to Guy's Ultimate Game Night. Uh, thank you for everything you do for the best buddies for the Restaurant Emergency Relief Fund. Um, you're always there when you need when when somebody needs something, and hey, that's a good teammate right there. Well, you you are always the guy that you can count on. You know, I don't ever know if everybody understands this Best Buddies program, but you know, Tom would ask everybody to to come and support and participate in this uh, uh, in this flag football game, which involved buddies and involved uh, donors and and so forth. And you were always the guy that was there supporting. Um, and so when you told me that you had this podcast going on, I appreciate the invitation. You're, you're the stand-up guy. And, uh, and this is great. A lot of fun. Good questions. Uh, you keep it moving. Thank There's you. a lot of cross-correlation. I think this, you know, taking people's industries that they do and taking sports and seeing how they interface um, is awesome. So congratulations. Continued success on this. And uh, I'll talk about season two of Game Night. And you let me know when I get to come back. And, uh, you know, then and maybe we'll have Tip show up. There you go. Enjoy the gaggers. Yeah, we'll see you up in North Conway. <laughs> see you guys. Pastar Prime is brought to you by Squad Locker. Squad Locker is your one-stop shop for custom team apparel, delivered right to your front door. Learn more by visiting squadlocker.com.